right, welcome to season five of Inside My Canoe Head. This is a Canadian podcast that's all about the integration of leading an incredible, awesome life, individual responsibility, individual emergency preparedness, and how do we navigate life's incredible, wild disruptions that we see among us. Sit back, grab a beverage, and enjoy the episodes. All right, this week we want to talk about preparedness information, where you get it, what mediums you choose, what best serves your interest. And for that discussion, we've brought back Sharon, a previous guest on this episode, to talk from somebody else's perspective about preparedness information, where you get it, and why you pursue the the mechanisms and the mediums that you do. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, Let's get to it. All right. So thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, back on the podcast, Sharon. Um, I know, understand that your life has been incredibly busy and we do appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. And basically the idea behind this episode is, is pretty simple. I mean, there is a plethora of... Mm voices in the preparedness world that deliver all kinds of information on all kinds of different mediums. So, I mean, I I think the best question to open up this discussion is when you seek preparedness information, where do you go to find it? And do you have a preferred medium? That's a great question. Um, I guess I consider myself not a beginner. Um, you know, prepared individual. So I find a lot of the government produced communication to be more on the basic side, and I kind of need something a little bit more. And so I find myself looking in a number of different mediums. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell, I'll disclose that I'm a a millennial, an older millennial. So I find that uh, I'm not on the, uh, I'm not on TikTok. Um, I just got an Instagram like a year ago. So I, I'm, I'm a late adopter when it comes to uh, certain social media channels. Uh, so I do like um, per- consuming information in a number of different ways. I find like one of my current favorite, um, although, you know, it's kind of a balance between political and he's got a little bit of emergency preparedness side is the uh, bow of the fifth uh, column. He's a YouTuber. And I just love that format because it's, you know, it's really short videos. I think they're like three to seven minutes each. And he kind of follows a tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And for me, while that's YouTube, it's just him and the camera. And I mean, that could be a podcast episode or like a format for myself. I don't, I don't need to see him staring at the camera. Um, but I feel like I like listening to that when I'm on my way to pick up from daycare. So like nice, short, snappy, take something that's really complex and then like summarize it in like the three to five bullets that I need to know. Um, and I find as a busy individual, that bite-sized piece information is kind of what I'm looking for. I do like the podcast for kind of like the longer drives that I do. Um, but then I get annoyed, like when amazing podcasters like yourself say these great things or refer to these other individuals, and I can't write it down because I'm driving. <laughs> so uh, I do also like YouTube for more of the, probably like the product reviews. Um, so if, 
you know, I don't get into a bricks and mortar store very often. And so if I'm looking to buy something, I like, I find YouTube is my replacement for the touch and feel experience that I might get. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a general overview of a different social media ways that I consume information. I also like books. I'm a nerd and I like the hard copy books from the library. Um, but again, you know, any of the emergency preparedness books I've gotten, I found that either are too extreme or like are just really not really relevant to me as the suburban emergency preparedness mom that <laughs> lives in suburbia. Um, or they're just too general. You know, they're, they're just the, the the high level things that I already know. Yeah. And I mean, they, they've um, just released a new textbook, Introduction to Emergency, Canadian Emergency Management. Mm. So it's it, anybody looking at the very basics or wants to dive a little deeper into the theory behind emergency management, et cetera, it, it's in a textbook, but the textbook says a lot of what you're saying is that it's basic information, right? It's the standard messaging that comes from all levels of government that, you know, is, is, is basic. It gets you in the door. But like you said, uh, when you're living a more complex, busy life in a suburban environment, um, it's it, it, you need a little bit more. And that's why I think I, I agree with you on the YouTube side, because what you the brilliance of YouTube is it allows you to consume YouTube as an audio and it allows mm -hmm. you to consume it as a video. So I have a number of YouTubers that I follow and I will turn on the YouTube on my TV. It's the most watched thing on my main TV in the living room is YouTube because I have an Apple TV and I just turn on mm -hmm. YouTube and I'll play something I'm interested in and then I'll mill about and do other things. And so when I'm getting the audio that I'm picking up as I'm cooking mm -hmm. or doing whatever else and then you know, every once in a while when they hold up a certain product, you're like, I'm looking at this thing, taking a visual, like you said, not all opportunities are present to say, okay, stop it right here. Let's write down uh, the important information. And for me, a lot of times I use the notes app on my iPhone and there's similar apps in, in Android phones where I, I stop and I'll do that when I'm chatting with somebody, I'll just pull it out and I'll start typing. And I say to them, listen, You've said something brilliant. I'm not being rude to you by pulling out my phone. You said something brilliant. I'm going to forget it in the next 30 <laughs> seconds, right? <laughs> yeah. And and just that phrase or the way you characterize something. Um, bam, I need to I need to capture that because it's helpful. I and I've got a notes app that has like 200 quotes on it from various people that I listen to and I, and I think that kind of helps because I think maybe phrasing it in you don't carve out a piece of time to do just preparedness research. It's like a complimentary when you're doing something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I find that like, you know, and you follow me on Instagram and I feel like I was a big Facebooker and I feel like I'm pulling back off of Facebook. Um, I don't really know why I'm getting out of touch with it, but I just find I'm, I feel more drawn to the Instagram approach where it's a visual medium, but then you can have this like, like great narrative. Um, I'll admit though, I'm not up on the whole, I don't really know the difference between a story and a reel or any of the like technical terminology of that stuff. But what I can tell you, because um, I follow a lot of parenting 
uh, Instagrammers. And there's one, um, her name's Dr. Becky uh, Goodenside. She's a child psychologist. She's fantastic. And she does these things. I think they're called reels. They're one to two minutes. And it takes a problem and presents a solution with like, you know, your toddler's doing this, try this script next time. Um, and it's in, it's in one or two minutes and I, I can absorb it. Do I remember it? Not necessarily, but Instagram has this great, like, I, I, it's not a like feature. It's something else where I can file it away. Um, and that's kind of what I do to try to take notes, so to speak, if I could, and come back to that as a, oh, wow, it was really good. I want to refer back to that. Yeah, that's the, uh, I think they call it the save feature with save almost like feature. the sideways flag or upside down flag that's on the right there. And I do the same thing. Like I, I'll, I'll save it because it's um, something that I'm interested in. Like, for example, I love, you know, one of the things that I follow is, is a lot of cottagers who have really beautiful cottage photos and I save them all going, I'd love to build a patio like that. Save the photo. Mm, yeah. And that type of thing. And I and, used to use Pinterest for that. Um, Pinterest was great for that where you just, it, it's kind of like an online bulletin board, but I feel like Pinterest has fallen, uh, you know, to the, to the spammers and I don't use it as much anymore. And yeah, like you said, there, there's so many different mediums out there to try to consume this information. Um, I'm a reader too. So mm -hmm. I, I like to sit back and try to decompress when I can and pick up a good book. Um, and I'm I'm really struggling to find a rational preparedness mm. book, like a short read. Um, yeah. If somebody was to write something like that, what do you, what would you look for in a book? Like, are you thinking about really in-depth analysis on something superficial, a combination of them both? Yeah, you know, this is actually a really good question. And I thought a lot about it. And I thought it was an easy answer at the beginning. But then I thought more about how I consume. And it's actually, it's really hard for you as the producer of something like this, of, of what you're facing. So to me, I think the first question is answering the why. Like, what is the purpose? Am I reading this book because I'm trying to take all these amazing things that you've done in a podcast or, you know, maybe YouTube and those are visual or audio formats. And I'm just trying to take all of those wonderful things and cram them into a book. And then now it's like a reference. That's one thing. Or is the why action oriented where I'm, I take the basis, like I maybe already have the 101 that you kind of the principles that you teach. And now I'm trying to take action. So maybe I need a workbook. Um, and that's another format. For me, I feel like, you know, passive reader, inform and learn versus an active reader, I meant to maybe reflect. And I feel like that's kind of, it depends on the why and, and when I consume. Um, I think I want both books to be to be candid, because I, I, I feel I'm not a good audio learner. And so for me, well, I love the podcast, and I love YouTube. Um, I like written words as reference. And so I feel like I need that part of a book, but I also feel like I need, I'm very good at consuming a lot of different information and I really suck at follow through. And so I need the, the act action oriented book to get me in gear and workbook format. Um, but when then, then I was reflecting back on the eBooks that I've read or other books that I've consumed, 
I find, especially in the last year, two years, um, my how of how I consume this has changed. So I'm in a couple book clubs and I used to be the hard and fast. I will always get the book in hard copy. I will always get it. I like hard copy. I like the tactile sensation of a book. Um, I don't, I don't own an e-reader. I didn't want an e-reader. And now I'm finding as a really busy life, I find that I recently read my last book club book, 600 plus pages, well, electronic pages. I don't know how many <laughs> physical pages they were, but there was 600 plus electronic pages. And I read it all from my phone. And I read it and I, you know, snuck in five, 10 minutes of reading here and there as I could in my life, you know, waiting for, you know, groceries or, or um, you know, daycare pickup. But what I also like in a book is a lot of visuals. I like bullets. I like charts. I like call out boxes. I like summaries. And that's really hard to do in a mobile format in like an e e format. So I don't have an answer for you of, of like, what is the best format? Because I think it depends on, on the why. And then if it's the why, it's also the how, how I'm consuming it. Yeah. And I think a lot of thoughts that in a lot of the books that I've read, it's um, are they telling me something interesting, something engaging, a topic that, that I think is important. It's engaging, but I think the how, to do it as well. A lot of, you know, it's like the old saying, the world's full of great advice. Just ask anybody, right? <laughs> Everybody will give you advice on something, but when you want to commit them to an executable, very few people will offer anything with their name on it saying, you know, it's it's all my experience in government work is that way. Whenever I wanted advice on something, the cubicle farm was full of it. I could get advice anywhere when I wanted somebody to tie their name to an executable strategy. It was like crickets because it's very difficult to say, okay, this is what you should do. This is what I would recommend. These are the steps. I think for me, what helps with me is when, when an author puts forward, here are three options to solve the problem you're facing. Here are the pros and cons for the options. They may or may not work for you, depending on your situation, instead of a binary choice, right? Because I find it difficult when you present people or anybody's presented with a problem to, to characterize it as a binary choice because your life, my life, everybody listening to this podcast, their <laughs> lives are also completely different that it is very, very difficult to say, this is the magical solution. Do the following, which is why I tend mm. to rail a lot against YouTubers who say, here are the 10 things you should stock right now. Here are the mm -hmm. five things you should buy this week at Costco to improve your preps. I'm like, does that fit the plan you wrote? Like, is this your plan or is this some random people? Because I try to tell people that, you know, stockpiling the 10 top things into your basement does not make you a prepared individual. It makes you a person with a whole bunch of stuff in your basement. <laughs> That's what you've successfully achieved. Now, if you have a plan that says, Hey, listen, I need these things, then obviously logically go out and get them. But I try to think about a book as a source to get people to think, you know, to cue that wonderful 
synapse in your brain back and forth to um to work anyhow that's what i'm trying to idea about a book is that it gets people to think about mm -hmm. possible solutions yeah no i i think um to me that sounds more like that workbook um which i find i i think the last kind of workbook exercise i did was mel robbins's um spring reset and it was i don't know 16 pages and it was three parts and I think you did them over three days and they, it was more reflective that you thought about it throughout the day um, and then you might have you know written down a few scribbles um, and that would kind of get to the the customization I feel like it's um, you know you see the youtubers or you see you know kind of the more prominent um, quote-unquote preppers out there where they'll tell you yeah those these are the things that you should get at Costco um, but sometimes I find it helpful to get the heads up of maybe shortages that are coming. So, for example, you know, we, we can look at 2020 as the year of the toilet paper shortages. But really, I feel like that was really symbolic of the fact that that was the universal item that everyone needs. Um, and people, some people had enough of it in their house and then some people didn't. And I feel like I kind of took that um as something where and I'll be honest I I actually was one of the people that was looking for toilet paper because I didn't not that I was running at the end but I was feeling like okay well um I usually just buy it when it's on sale and I I don't I wasn't being mindful of of my stock of of the core things I need and so since then you know I've I've, I've just had my second child and, you know, I've experienced diaper shortages and formula shortages. And these things are things that have very few substitutes if, you know, if you have to be using a particular brand. And that can give a lot of anxiety. You know, I see posts daily on parenting groups um, looking for infant Tylenol is now, you know, the current shortage. Um, and so on one hand, I do like the YouTubers that, um, or, or podcasters who feel like, I guess they have an ear to the ground of shortages that are maybe coming down the pike that me as a busy mom, like I don't have time to pay attention and be plugged into everything. So if someone has a little snippet of things like, oh, you know what, oatmeal is going to be the next, uh, you know, shortage that's coming, or I think it was sriracha. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we have a half a bottle in the fridge. But, you know, if I'm at the grocery store and I see that sriracha, I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> so I, I feel like at the end of the day, I, I like having enough. Yes, I have, you know, do I have a lot more toilet paper in my house than I did in 2020? Absolutely. But I also find that I'm, I'm trying to prepare in different ways than I did before. So instead of preparing for, you know, uh, you know, having 10 pounds of beans, you know, in my pantry, it's more of how many months of formula do I have? How many months of diapers do I have? So that when, and if shortages occur and it's like, oh, well, you know, that's a, on a three week back order, that's fine. I've got two months worth. And it, to me, it's just, it's a blip. Whereas other people, they're panicking because they can't get that formula or they're panicking because they're, they don't have the infant Tylenol. And I went 
when I heard about the infant Tylenol shortage, I went and checked my little cupboard and yeah, I've got a couple bottles and looked at the expiry. Well, they're coming up to expiry. It'd be nice to have some fresh stuff, but, but I'm not panicking. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's, that's the difference. And that's a lot. Um, that's why I speak to what I refer to as your timeline. When people are thinking about preparedness and thinking about making a plan for their family, the people, however we define that in the modern non-nuclear age of what a family is constructed of, I ask that question like, and because everybody has a different personality and a different risk profile that's based upon your personal self-confidence, et cetera. And different storage in their yeah, home. <laughs> and different storage too. But I say like, it's a general question. Like how, mm -hmm. if all of your utilities shut off and the grocery store is closed, how long would you like to be prepared for? And everybody goes, well, two years. Well, sure. You can drop $10,000 and put that in your basement and you'll never use it. But logically establishing a timeline that you feel comfortable with. Like I always recommend to people at most 21 days, because after 21 days, society is going to generally fix itself. But if you have if you're in a stage of life, like with infant formula, and this is not an option, like there's, there's, I, you know, I remember those days of buying infant formula. There's no backup plan, right? Like you said, there's no place to go. So maybe you want to be a little bit more comfortable with that. Come up with a timeline that fits your family's needs. You know, I, I have friends who love to wing it, right? They live mm -hmm. life by winging it. They're, asking them to prepare, they might have a food for tomorrow and they, they really couldn't care. They figure out they could wing it. And then I've had conversations with people who are constantly looking at their six months of food supply and they're a little bit concerned about what they'll have for this winter. And so that's why it's very difficult to have a mm. standardized singular message right. for everybody, right? You're in a stage of life where certain things are more important that they're going to be five years from now, three years from now, mm -hmm. right? So stockpiling makes sense for a very certain amount of goods that are very important to you Critical, at this time, yeah. right? Critical supplies that you don't want to be without, but you're not, you know, you're not going to run out and have five months of supply of toilet paper just because somebody on YouTube told you mm -hmm. that it's going to go. And I remember I, I was interviewed for a CBC news article on the toilet paper. And I'm like, mm. if, you know, busy people don't but if you ever study canadian industry we're the world's top manufacturer of paper products right we don't have a problem with toilet paper there'll never ever be a problem with the production of toilet paper um, supply chain disruptions happen when you know 30 days worth of supplies are purchased by the general public in three days and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's nothing on the shelf. That's not because there's a shortage of anything. It's because the expectation that supply chain designers put into the stock levels in the store were completely blown out of the water by panic buying in, in a uh, in a pandemic, which, you know, everybody's looking at. Yeah, no sriracha. You're right. <laughs> um, when we look at, you know, when there's a frost in Florida. And we know that citrus is going prices are going to go through the roof or if, if you're ear to the ground and you're listening to what's going on in uh, the droughts in California, and California is one of the major breadbaskets of North America when it and comes good to wine and good wine too. So, I mean, exactly like you're going to have to settle for a VQA wine. That's for some people. Oh, there's always Australia. 
Well, exactly. But I mean, that that's part of it. But that that kind of comes to the third question I wanted to pose to you. How, and I think you might have answered it a bit already, but how does the world environment influence your decision to prepare or consume information? What I mean, you know, the war in Ukraine, um, mm-hmm. the potential famine, uh, the potential spike in prices related to grains, fertilizers, that type of thing. Like how much does it influence your your preparedness thoughts? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so when the Ukraine war started, I think back kind of February-ish, I started following a particular um, a particular YouTuber that's very prominent in the um, prepping community in Canada. And I was kind of, I would say, almost really, not obsessed, but really consumed with each, a new episode was coming out every day, it was 20, 30 minutes. And it's like, this person has the information. And I, I, I'll admit, I feel like I got really sucked in to listening to that. And I felt really compelled to act. I felt more, but I was feeling like I was making a lot more fear oriented decisions on preparedness. So I'd go, instead of going to Costco and picking up whatever I was going to pick up, I'd go to the Costco business center and get a 12 pack of that. So I'd have the 12 pack instead of, you know, the, the three pack or something like that. And I'll admit it took me, I think I was consuming his content for about two months daily and it got to the point where you know and I made some significant purchases as well and it took some time before I was realizing I think you know the 45 60 day mark of the Ukraine war where the kind of the peak interest wanes in the in the general media and people are realizing that this is kind of going to be uh we're in for a little little longer and I slowly reduced my consumption of his content. And I found myself, while taking less fear-based decisions and actions, I also have found, you know, now it's been, I guess we're at the, about the six-month, seven-month mark of the war, that I'm also not as action-oriented. So I feel like I have to find the balance between consuming content that is, again, fear you know, I feel like that trust factor is why are you sharing me this information with me now? Is it for clicks? Is it for likes? Is it for algorithm? Um, Or is this like actual information I need to know? Um, So I feel less in touch now that I've stopped following this individual, but I also feel much less anxious. And that's, uh, yeah, I I know exactly who you're referring to, but um and and that's that's part of um where i've mentioned before a lot of what people consume is about um subject matter so there's a war in ukraine how does that impact me what do i have to change here and it when you start chasing down today's news it's very difficult to stay ahead of that and then you get worried and anxious that i'm not staying ahead i might have missed the latest i might you know that fomo of the real world but when you Mm -hmm. sit back and you have a general level of preparedness i've used critical infrastructure as a perfect example before about you know you don't care that the power goes out. why the power went out you just care that the power is out 
you've thought through this and you've come up with a plan to deal with the power going out, right? And so you execute that when your power goes out. You're not running around and, and screaming, trying to figure out why what happened. You know that I've got a plan for when the power goes out. And I find that's it for me, you know, when there's something happening overseas, very little of the world events mm -hmm. are really going to affect little old me running around in North America. Now I have a friend who runs a humanitarian organization out of uh, Germany and she periodically, her and her colleagues go into Ukraine to provide some assistance. Okay. Their influence from that conflict is completely different from mm -hmm. mine. So where I'm geolocated here in the city of Ottawa, national capital of Canada, there are so infinitesimally small number of world events that are going to have a profound effect on me. I, I generally don't like, I, I love news. I consume it on nonstop. I just separate news and my preparedness. Like um, some of the videos that are, YouTube's full of the videos lately that are all about, you know, get these seven things before they go away. Before the government tells you, you can't have mm -hmm. any more of this, you know, buy it. It's like in Canada when they, uh, the government announced a pause in the import of handguns and a pause in the sale of handguns and the transfer between them. It was the single greatest increase in handgun mm -hmm. sales in the Canadian history. So people react Mm -hmm. to government government coming regulations etc but in reality faster what happens out there in the world doesn't influence me in my regular day and so i try to for me preparedness is all about a timeline for me I, i'm happy like i've i was at 14 days i moved it to 21 days i moved it to 60 and now i'm thinking about i'm in the process of moving it to 90. And that's just me because I look at the world. I look at the possible outcomes. I look at where the shizzy could hit the fizzy and the world could get a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and so from that, I'm like, you know, the winter's a tough time in Canada. It's tough to get some stuff in. And so mm -hmm. for this coming winter, I think it's going to be a pretty disruptive winter for lack of a better term, right? It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be difficult to get a few things so there's a couple of things that come in from overseas, but how much do I use that's a product of China or that's a product of Central America, right? My exposure to that is my own issue, right? So I try to look at, uh, you know, this wonderful cup of coffee I'm drinking here. They don't make coffee in Canada. They don't grow it here in this country, right? So I, you know, if there's going to be a problem, I pay a bit of attention to that, but I have so few commodities that matter um, that I, that I don't really get that much of it worried about the world, to be honest. Yeah, no. And I feel, yeah, FOMO is kind of the, the, the exact thing that I felt like I was wanting to get consumed and like, I wanted to get ahead of the curve. So if it, the next, you know, Sriracha is, I don't know, oatmeal, and then it's like, oh, man, my kid, my kid eats oatmeal every day. I can't do an oatmeal shortage. Um, I felt like I want I consume that content rather than more of the even keeled uh, neutral uh, emergency preparedness ones that are kind of not, you know, not you don't need to worry or take it easy, but just, you know, not as 
urgent, you have to take action here. And so I felt like when I consumed that content previously, it, I felt like I was slightly ahead of everyone else because I was like, oh, I had my ear to the ground that, oh, the sriracha shortage is coming. And I felt like I got that sriracha bottle before the shelves were empty. And then all of a sudden I see around me, yeah, people are, I go to the grocery store and I happen to go down the sriracha aisle and I take a look to see if it's back and it's not. And I'm like, but I've got my bottle of sriracha. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's funny that I, you know, would get like, you know, 12 packs of canned fruit and I don't even really eat canned fruit, but if there's shortages, either inflationary, you know, makes the cost of blueberries or raspberries really high. Um, and I'm going to switch to canned food over the over or canned uh, fruit over the winter, you know, then I, f I feel comfortable. Um, but at the end of the day, I felt like for there was a period of time, my emergency preparedness was more on the events that were less likely to happen, but seemed more urgent. But really what I should have been doing is doing more preparations of the things that are closer to home. So I'll give you an example. Um, so I, on last Friday, my husband got stuck at work and he's the one that does daycare pickup because he's the one that has the car with the car seat in it. And we're about a five minute drive from where daycare pickup is. So, you know, if in the event of emergency, the plan always was that I would uh, take the stroller and I would walk and I would go pick up my son and I, I would come home. Well, it turns out that the stroller was also in the trunk of the car. And then I thought, okay, no problem. Redundancy. Next redundancy plan is I've got an ergo carrier. I'll carry him home. I'll like on my back and then I'll carry the newborn on my front. I'm going to get my kids home. No problem. And the ergo carrier also happened to be in, in that car. So it was like a failure after failure. Uh, and so I reached out to my village and I asked a mom who had a car seat in her car if I could borrow a car seat to go pick up my son. Of course, it was a TikTok clock, you know, of a daycare, you got to pick them up by a certain time. And that was that was my emergency, my quote unquote emergency last, last Friday. Um, and I felt silly afterwards that, you know, I wasn't more mindful of God, Sharon, you know better, like that, that these things were in place, but really it did feel like a panicked moment where I had to reach out rather than having a pre-established friend that said, Hey, you, you and I were each other's buddies. And if for some reason we can't do pickup, we'll, we'll pick up each other's kids. And I didn't have that in place. I now have that in place. And that's the wonderful power of uh, social capital which is one of my main research fields that I, that I delve into is, is the power of community. And I tell people that all the time, like, listen, if the first thing you should ever do in emergency preparedness is go meet your neighbor, like know the people that are around you, know the people that do. So the other parents from the daycare should be part of your social group. The other parents, part of your kid's soccer team should be part of your social group because in the end, when significant disruption occurs, these are the people who are going to be most available to you. And you have, by building these social networks, you not only have access to the human, you have access to those human resources. They have access to your resources. Because if somebody came to you said, hey, could I borrow your car seat? You're like, yeah, I understand the situation you're in right now. And I know what it matters to step up and solve and help somebody solve that problem. And that's a huge part of social capital. Even when I talk to municipalities, I tell them, listen, build a community center, like fund community programs, get 
people together, socializing, meeting each other, understanding each other's needs and wants. I mean, that's when I grew up, we knew everybody on the street. Nowadays, you don't know your neighbor. You don't know the house three, four days has down. You may wave at them once or twice a week when you see them on the road, but you don't know anything about them. And when significant disruptions happen, like I don't think we're up five, six years now from the tornadoes that went through Dunrobin and through center, central Ottawa there, you know, we were power out for a couple of days and people, you know, you're not going, emergency services aren't going around door to door in a city of a million people saying, hi, are you okay? That's your social capital. That's your uh, network of informed people that you get access to. And I mean, I think that's so important for people to understand that, I mean, I get slagged every once in a while. My moniker, the preparedness is free because I understand that stuff is uh, does cost money. But the most important things you can do is, is building that network, like you said, that established friend group. Now you have somebody you know you can count on for this particular problem, and they can count on you. And, you know, book clubs. Book clubs are fantastic. I mean, if you ever want to know how to the power of social capital, just look at the uh, gardening clubs. Holy smokes, they the gardening and most importantly, of most recent decade is the environmentalists. So those who have a green climate change warriors and climate change activists, they have really strong social capital and they have tight bonds and they're very well connected. And preparedness is is no different. Right. It's it's just another way of saying, hey, when life disruptions happens, I really like to not be part of that disruption. Like you said, like if you have three weeks of all your required supplies in your house and the power goes out for three or four days and you can't pick something up at the store, you're going to be okay, right? Your anxiety level is, is, is far lower than somebody who is in a European tradition of buying supper on the way home from work. Right. And because that's a cultural thing in Europe is they don't stock five months worth of food in their house. They're getting supper on the way home because they have a fridge that's, you know, a tiny mini fridge is standard because they just don't store that stuff. So I find that defining the balance between the social capital, but also being responsible for my own outcomes. So I feel like my motivation is that I do want to be self-reliant. I don't want to be, you know, in in a lineup for for water if for some reason we had some kind of boil water advisory in the community. I want to have the water in my home because um, I've thought ahead that you know if the water goes out, how much uh, water does my family consume? Okay, and do the math for that, and and it, it's easy to do. Um, it was the other day I was just driving around. And I was running some errands and I drove by our urgent care. Um, um, it's kind of like a urgent care center here in Eastern Ottawa and, you know, line up outside the door. And then I, I drove past that and then I went around the street and I went past the drivers and licensing bureau. And that also had lineups at the door. And I'm like, they, we're not in, in an emergency right now. This is, this is normal times. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely like the lineups are everywhere and it, the services are, they are what they are. I mean, we can slide government all we want, but the services are what they are. And you're like, 
if you need to renew your driver's license, why are you doing it the week it expires? You know, if you need to do that, why are you doing it at a moment's notice? And, you know, healthcare skills, um, you know, emergency rooms are for life, limb and eyesight. I understand why people go there because three quarters of my family don't have a family doc. I have a family doctor, but my wife and kids don't. Mm-hmm. And they, my, my doctor won't take them on. He's actually trying to reduce the number of people on his role. Can't find it anywhere. Can't find a doctor. And so you, you know, remember the old days when our grandmothers used to take care of ailments at home and you went to the emergency room when you needed medical intervention. Right. But now in today's paranoia and fear-based world that we unfortunately exist in every cough Mm. And every tummy rumble other than young infants is an emergency. Oh, trust me. I, 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 I remember when you're, when your young infant is, is not doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're burning up a fever. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a reason to go into an emergency room, but uh, yeah. So that's, that's just an element of scarcity. I mean, it's a study of economics, right? Scarcity. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you, if you love your sriracha sauce, and it's an important part of your life. Like you need sriracha sauce supplies, right? Like you need coffee. <laughs> like I need coffee. I I write in my long-term food storage is a couple of bottles and no-name instant coffee. Mm. It's actually the best instant coffee, but instant coffee is horrible. But it is the best instant coffee. But I keep it in there because I know me. Like I know I'm a grouchy, ugly individual if I go day two or three without coffee. So because that's me, which may differ from everybody else, I put that in my emergency supplies because for me, that needs to be in there. Other people, water's fine. My wife's a tea drinker. I, I need to have tea. Like, that's not question. Like, I need to be able to, even the kid I have in my car has the ability to make a cup of tea for my wife on the side of the road if we're stranded on a highway because there was a major accident and we're in between off ramps and we're sitting there for like hour four, I need to have the ability to make her a cup of tea or I just need to start running away. Right. So, I mean, I gotta be able to do that, but I mean, that's, that's the personalized area of preparedness. So to wrap up, um, I wanted to pose you this one last question about preparedness information, time length. And it's an interesting mm-hmm. one. You spoke a bit about it earlier. Um, does single issue short products work better than multiple discuss multiple point discussions over one longer mm-hmm. file? What do you think? Yeah, I think the things that I so for me, my target date is is thirty days um, right now. It's just kind of to me having 30 days, but to me, that is more of the critical, critical things, things that I, there are no substitutions for. Um, And I would say even I'm up to probably 60 days for diapers at this point, because I've just been buying ahead because I don't want to get caught without diapers. It's just one of those things Um, with formula. um, My, my son, prior had to be on a specific brand we, we tried other brands and his tummy just didn't didn't like them and so we we used to have I think about we were two months ahead on brands for that and so 
that to me is just longer, but I think that is more for my anxiety level than it is for an actual need. Do I feel like I'm going to need, you know, the lights are going to go out for 60 days of no, but it's more of just the supply chain disruptions um, than it is for any kind of emergency that I'm preparing for. Uh, so yeah, I, I think general i think the 72 hours you know is is, is as you've discussed before is, is kind of a moot point but could i make dinner for my family for a week on my own um if the power went out yeah you know a week or two sure and and to me that timeline so i feel like yeah i, I think i have a number of different timelines in my head i'm not targeting one particular one but for the critical products, the, those I'm, I'm having the, the, lar- the longest timeline for. Perfect. I agree with you. Like it's, it's no, that's why I'm a big proponent of individuals making their own plan because it, the plan that fits you is the one that makes sense to you. And it's the one that you are likely more than likely to execute, manage, maintain, and keep going. So Thank you very much for joining us uh, on this podcast episode. And uh, we'll look forward to chat again sometime soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. So hopefully you enjoyed that uh, little discussion about preparedness, information, where we get the information, and all of your options that are out there. So drop by our website at www.insidemycanoehead.ca. All of our social media links are there. The link to buy me a coffee to show your support for this podcast And upcoming future episodes, we're going to have more guests talking about what does the world of preparedness look like for you? You are your own individual, wonderful, incredible human being. You don't look like any others. You don't act like any others. And you have your own hopes and dreams. So you need to be able to mold a preparedness plan that fits you and your lifestyle. So thank you very much for joining us again this week. Take care of yourselves and stay safe.